0: Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info or go to the story tab on the church center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's service.
1: Well, how y'all doing okay so i got a call yesterday from pastor tim he uh he uh, was supposed to be speaking this morning but he's homesick couldn't come big old sissy you know but we just moved a few things around no problem at all and man i'm so excited obviously god had uh, something he wanted you all to hear something he had given me uh, for you and i'm really really excited about it so so here we go are you all ready So I was speaking to a men's group over in Denver, this is several years ago now, venue was north of Denver, big room, only men, and it was men of all ages, most of those men younger than me, of course. And uh, I said to, uh, I was given this topic, the topic was how to win at work without losing at love. That's what it was. And so when they introduced me, the guys were real gracious and um, uh, they all jumped up, started applauding as I was coming up to the platform. So as I walked up there, The platform, they're standing there clapping. I said, I have been married for over 40 years. And they were like, whoa, whoa, 40 years. Because most of them hadn't been on the planet for 40 years. They were very impressed by that. And as it started to slow down a bit, I said very loudly into the microphone, to seven different women. (laughs) Oh man, those guys, you should have seen them. They didn't know what to do with their hands after that. They were like, oh, it put an awkwardness in the room that you wouldn't imagine. And, and I thought it was one of the funniest things that possibly could happen. And then I cleared the whole thing up. Said, so, you know, I said, my wife and I have been uh, childhood sweethearts since high school. I met her when I was 17, she was 16. We got married right out of high school. And now we're going on like 47 years. But, uh, but anyway, I cleared the whole thing up with them. Say, so, you know, she's great. Yeah, we're great. Everything's wonderful. And, uh, but, and it really is. I'm still married to my very best friend, my big, biggest cheerleader in life. But um, uh, I, I have noticed now she's never killed me, which I think is a good sign, right, when you're married, right? But I have noticed she's been watching a whole lot more murder shows these days. What is up with you women watching the Dateline and the murder shows and all? How many of you women watch those murder shows? Raise your hand. How many of you men are okay with that? they are learning how to hide the bodies but anyway we had a great time we dealt with it and you know we laughed a bunch once once they realized you know my personality a little bit they were they were like laughing and fun and i told those guys that day in da- at denver the same thing i've told you guys over the years and that is joy sure looks good on you joy happiness in your soul to be able to have your soul healed and joy just oozing out of you because that's the life god wants you to have that's how he created you He created you for a blessed life he wants you to live your best life his best his blessed life for you and and when you're not because life life's you down a little bit or some things have happened in your world that just really probably shouldn't happen man god wants you to heal from those things quickly you can't just be a victim or have victim mentality for the rest of your life you got to move on And God wants you to forgive and to heal and move on and get your joy back because, listen, guys, joy really looks good on you. Ladies, you are way more attractive when you're happy. Guys, you are way more attractive when you are not grouchy and grumpy and nasty and mean and cussing about everything. You're just happy and smiling and having fun and pulling pranks and being a boyfriend. All that stuff's way more attractive. So God wants you to live your best life. He wants you to live your blessed life. But you got an enemy, and that enemy is going to come against you with weapons. A couple of those weapons are perception and rejection. And I'm going to deal with most of rejection today, but really, really more than just rejection, the infection that sets in when rejection happens in your life. That's what I'm going to deal with. Because, see, it's not the cut of rejection that will kill you, but it's the infection that comes later from the cut of rejection that happened in your life. Well, I want to hit you with something. I do this every two years because I think it just helps you and I like to help the people. And I just want to give you something that I do like every two years. It has nothing to do with the message. I just think it's fun and it's funny. So what I want to do is I want to help every man in here have a better understanding of women. I want to help every woman in here who has ever been just totally blown away and frustrated with trying to understand a man. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to let you figure this whole thing out with one visual illustration. Now, I am telling you, this comes from all the research that ever been done about men and women in the world. This is scientific data that I am bringing to the table today, and I am doing it in its most simplest form, a visual that you don't even have to take notes. You don't have to write down. You will remember it now for the rest of your life. Are you ready? I need to borrow a woman's purse. Jennifer could... You have an unusually large purse there, right? Was it checked for weapons when you came in or anything like that? <laughs> Could I borrow that? I will not look in it. I will, not, I will not look in it. I will not Oh, but Thank you. Okay, are, you can trust me. We've known each other a long time. Okay, I won't look in it. I won't do that. But this is a woman's purse. There are compartments in here. A lot of them. There are pockets, compartments. There are things here. There are things there. There are things. There are a lot of things in this purse. A lot of things going on. Nobody knows what's in this purse. Nobody. Jennifer doesn't even know. If I said name the top five things you've got in your purse, she would give me three. But she has no idea. Nobody knows what's in this purse. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a woman. This is a woman. There are a lot of things going on here. Sometimes I'll ask Anna, I'll say, and I've, I've only been in Anna's purse twice in our 46 plus years of marriage, twice. The first she will never let me go in her purse. I don't even want to. But she'll tell me, I told her one time, I so, said, honey, you got any gum? We were going to somewhere. So, are you got any gum? She goes, in my purse, left side. You know, she's frustrated that I ask. Left side. I don't know no left side of a purse. Is this the left side of a purse? Is that the left side of a purse? Is that the left side? I don't know no left side of no purse. But I found the gum. Then one time I asked her, I said, honey, do you have an extra 20? And she said, bring me my purse. (laughs) What's that? I can get in her purse for gum, but I can't go into her purse for money. Are you kidding me? So this is a woman, this represents a woman, a lot going on in here, compartments, pockets, all these kind of things. This represents a man. Not much happening. I've got my driver's license, I got a couple of credit cards. And then I got a little cash for allowance money that I think came out of her purse. I don't even know where it came from. But this is a woman, this is a man. Now, the crazy thing about you women is that you name your purses. Dolce, Prada, come on, help me, I don't know a lot. There's like Dooney and Burke, or Dooney and, am I right? Am I, do I have that all wrong? Louis, somebody, there's a Louis, right? I think I call this, anyway, I don't know what you call it. But, that, but, but that's what women will name their purses. And, and, and you know what I call this? Black. That's black. And Jennifer, this, this isn't your only purse, is it? No, you, you got lots of purses. You got purses to clutch you under your arm. You got purses to go over your shoulder. You got purses you can hold over here. You got purses for fall, spring, winter, summer. You got all kind of purses. You got purses to match these shoes. Purses that match those shoes. You got all kind of purses. How many wallets does a man have? One. One. And we will hang on to that one wallet until some good woman in our life, it either disintegrates in our pocket or some good woman in our life goes out for Christmas and buys us a brand new wallet. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the difference between men and between women. Now let me get into it. Let me get into it. Here, let me give you your purse back. Thank you. Catch let me pray for us. Father, we love you so much, and thank you that we can be together. I, I wanted to start out, Father, with something a little funny, because the, the topic this morning can get a little heavy, and I don't want it to get heavy. We don't need heavy. A lot of stuff in the news is heavy, a lot of things going on in people's lives, heavy, and Father, I don't want it to feel heavy in here. I just want to keep it light, but yet I want to deal with, Father, uh, this issue right out of your word, and obviously you wanted me to, and Father, I pray you're you bless. Give me the words you want me to say. You use me as a mouthpiece. I'm good with you getting me or my personality out of the out of the way, and you just take over. We ask this in Jesus' name. Bless and heal. I pray in this room today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 10. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 10 on the side screen. This is the story of Samuel the prophet being told by God. He is about to do away with King Saul, and he's going to bring a new king into the picture. His name is David. And he tells Samuel that David, the new king, doesn't tell him it's David, tells him a new king would be found in the house of Jesse. Jesse has eight sons. Seven of them are on the scene. Jesse parades them before Samuel to see if these guys are impressive. They were out in the field when Goliath was killed by David. These are strong men. They're good-looking guys. And, and, And this is what happens. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord hadn't chosen any of these. I don't care how impressive they are, what their demeanor is. These aren't the guys. So he asked Jesse, are these all your sons that you have? And he said, they're still the youngest. Jesse answered. He said, he's out tending sheep. Now, think about that for a moment. Jesse, knowing that they're looking for the next king, knowing there's gonna, the Samuel's coming, leaves his youngest son out of the picture. And Samuel says, send for him. We're not going to sit down until he arrives. So if these boys, you only have eight, if these boys aren't the next king, then that means the next person that walks in this room is going to be the next king of Israel, and we're not going to be seated when that happens. Now, there is an epidemic that has invaded the environment of everybody that is seated in this very sacred place, and all those of you that are, that are watching from your digital space. And that is an epidemic of an infection that comes from rejection and I can tell you that every person in this room has or you will experience the reality of being rejected by somebody or something in your life I can say that with confidence because the most perfect person ever walked on this planet Jesus Christ who said the right thing at the right time who always did the right thing he always treated people the way those people should be treated he faced rejection over and over again and still does today now if jesus being perfect would face rejection it is illogical for you to think that you are going to go through life without being rejected and the issue is not whether or not you're rejected the issue is what you're going to do with it and whether or not an infection is going to set in from the rejection that you may have received maybe like david from a parent a father siblings that mistreated you in the past or maybe it's been more recent, like an ex, like a family member, like a recent uh, near relative, or maybe from a very, very close and trusted friend. What I'm trying to tell you is that everybody deals with rejection. If you have ever been denied the job, that's rejection. If you have ever been passed over for a raise or promotion, you were rejected. If you have ever been broken up with, and you felt rejection. If you ever slid into somebody's DM, only for them to slide you right back out. That's rejection. If you ever a single guy I looked at a woman and said, Hey, how you doing? And she rolls her eyes and continues to talk to your, her friends. Rejection. If you ever as a lady said to a single man, Hi. And he says, Hello, and keeps walking. You have felt the spirit of rejection. If you have not been picked for the squad, if you did not get picked for the team, if you've ever gone through a divorce, if you were the child of parents who have divorced, even though it had nothing to do about you, then you have felt and dealt with the infection that comes from rejection. So everybody in this room knows what I'm talking about. The definition of rejection is a refusal on the part of someone else to accept and appreciate you for who you are and for who you are not. And there's a Latin derivative of this word. It simply means this, to throw backwards. It means to throw a person backwards. By the words that are being said, about them or to them. And that is exactly how the enemy wants to use rejection against you. It is to inhibit your advancement. It is there by the enemy to block your blessings and to stop your progress. He is trying to throw you backwards. Now look on the side screens, rejection is a weapon the enemy uses to wound the very soul of a person. And a soul wound is very different from any other type of wound, it is internal and you can bleed internally from that and not even know that you've been wounded. And certainly, nobody else sees that you've been wounded. But if it is not dealt with correctly, if there's not attention that is given to that soul wound, it can lead to something that is much more deadly. Now, a soul wound does not, you can't see it because of the infection that we're talking about with a soul wound, is not seen because of the amount of pus that is there. It is seen in the personality of the individual that has been changed because it is there. You see, some infections are called people's identity. Watch this, this is what I'm talking about. That cynical, fault-finding, negative, bad attitude is not that person's identity, it's an infection that they have. That calloused and dismissive and cold-heartedness, that uh, inability to connect with anyone on a very deep emotional level, that's not that individual's identity, that's an infection. That they have the people pleasing tendency that sacrifices your purposes on the altar of somebody else's pleasures that's not your identity that's from an infection the timidity that causes you to stand on the sidelines for years waiting for somebody to call your name so you can finally step out instead of stepping out there on your own calling I'm next that's not your identity that's from an infection the type of infection of the soul is not good for your present spirituality, and it is never good for your future success. And we see this in the life of David. David, the Bible says, was called into this house after the brothers had already walked by, and Jesse had already overlooked him, uh, wasn't going to call him in. It didn't, wasn't even Jesse's idea to bring him in, his own dad. It wasn't even his. It was Samuel that asked, you don't have anybody else because these guys aren't it. And then finally, just, oh, yeah, I remember, I do have my, you know, my, my youngest, you know, his youngest out there in the field. Certainly can't be him. Don't see much in him. But then Samuel says, call him in. And here's what I want you to see on the side screen. Sometimes the people who know you the best tend to value you the least. Can any of us relate to that? A parent, siblings, friends, coworkers, mates. Sometimes that's how it works out. But you see, just because they see you a lot doesn't mean they see you right. So Jesse says, "Call him in. And now after the seven son, here comes his, uh, uh, David, David comes into the house and he realizes what's going on. My daddy, he didn't even value me enough to bring me to the parade. He didn't even want to run me by the prophet. He didn't even want to see if maybe I was a possibility for something great, something that could be better for me. And so when he comes into the house, he is anointed, the Bible says. The Bible says that he is anointed by Samuel to be the very next king. But that doesn't mean that the hurt of that rejection of his father and brothers disappeared just because he was oily. Take a look at the side screen. Rejection hurts the worst when it comes from people you value the most. So here David is oily now, and that just basically means that he was set apart, anointed with oil. He's set apart to be the next king of Israel. But that doesn't mean that he was healed from the hurt in the past. And if you don't get this, then you will not understand how some people can be so anointed. They can be so gifted. You can see them on stage or ministering in the church. They, they can be so powerful in the way that they do things for the heavenly father. And at the same time, they can still be dysfunctional. They can still be struggling. They can still be hurt, but at the same time, they're called. Side screen, take a look. Sometimes the best ministers in the room are the ones that have gone through or are still going through the most pain. Listen, if I need to have coffee with somebody, I don't want to sit down with anybody who's got a perfect life. I want to go sit down with somebody's who been hurt been rejected been lied about been lied to I want to sit down with somebody who can relate to what I'm going through. I'm not looking for any perfect people we don't have any in the church and I don't want to do any life with them because the people that can minister to me the most and listen the people that can minister to you the most are those who have already gone through what you've gone through they are a few months down the road they can reach back to you and say keep on going you'll get here sometime don't give up now don't end your life don't think this is over look what God did for me I'm no better than you those are the people that can encourage you and pull you forward. That's why I never disqualify yourself from serving God. It may be the very things God let you go through is the very thing He's going to use to help somebody else that only you can help. So David was anointed, he was promoted, and watch this: he goes from being a shepherd to be in the house of God, uh, the, the house of the king, and he, his position changes and his condition changes. And this pattern plays out in David's life moving forward. What pattern? The pattern of this rejection that caused an infection. Watch what he does. The Bible says that Saul loved David, but also the Bible says that Saul was jealous of David. So when he gets into the house, and he's playing music, and David, uh, Saul calls him in. By the way, Saul was a narcissist, egotistical individual that could not stand to see anybody else bragged on. It all had to be about him. So when he finally gets into the house, the Bible says, look at the side screen. Saul thought, I'll pin David to the wall. And he threw the spirit, David, how many times? But David dodged and got away how many times? Both times. So let me ask you a question. He threw the spear. The means one. It probably means his spear. And he threw it at him how many times? Twice. Does that mean that when he threw it at him the first time, David went over, pulled it out of the wall, and gave it back to him? He threw one spear two times. Okay, that doesn't sound healthy to me. Now, before I go too far, I love David. David was God's anointed. David was the second king of Israel, one of the, I to 70 years of age. His son named Samuel did great things for the kingdom. I mean, David, we're talking about David, Psalm writing David. We're talking about worshiping David. We're talking about a man's man who would go out in an army and lead an army. We're talking about the guy's guy, but at the same time, we're talking about a worshiper. So we're talking about a man who is both a worshiper, and watch this, a warrior. And every man is to be that. Every man is to be a worshiper. To tell his family and his wife, my heavenly father comes first. We are going to worship the king. That's from me and my house. We are going to serve God. We are going to worship. I'm going to sing. We're going to serve. That We're going to be about God. Hey, Tim Tebow ain't got nothing on me. You watch this. We're worshipers. But at the same time, we're warriors. And I don't care what kind of temperament you have. If you're a man and you are married to a woman and you have children or you have grandchildren, you are to be a warrior in that house. If anybody comes against that wife, comes against those kids, comes against those grandkids, you turn into this fuzzy little character into a very ferocious bear. You don't want to stir this up. You know what I mean? I'm sweet, I'm kind, of, you mess with my wife, my kids, and my grandkids, woo, and you don't have your last name, ain't my last name on your driver's license, it's going to turn into something ugly quick. Every man ought to be a worshiper, and every man ought to be a warrior. But there's something unhealthy about a person that would allow themselves to be in an abusive situation more than once and that unhealthiness comes back to the fact that David never received love from his dad or brothers in a way and felt rejection from them and instead of healing from it praying about it forgiving it and getting over it and moving forward he let it, he let it seep in so now he's got a man in his life that said that he loved him showing love and David couldn't stand the thought of rejection from Saul another man Who loved him and what he was receiving from him caused him to put up with abuse that a healthy man wouldn't put up with let me explain it Uh, i'm not saying i'm totally healthy but you're only going to throw a spear at me one time you don't get two times you get once and if i'm trying to help you and you're trying to kill me i'm gone i don't care who you are david stayed in it because he was getting something that he did not want taken away. And this is, it's almost as if David were saying this. Look at the side screen. I will subject myself to abusive situations because I don't want to live without that person's love. Now, a healthy person would say, more fish in the sea, 7 billion people on the planet, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya, right? So let me just grandfather the young ladies in here for a moment. Every female in here that's 17 to 25 years old, would you raise your hand? Every female 17 to 25, let me be your pop pop for a minute. Just hold it up every eye, 17 to 25. Okay, good, good, thank you all. Let me share something with you. And I know men, so please listen. You're never gonna fix them. You're never gonna fix what I'm about to say. If your boyfriend ever abuses you one time, there is something seriously wrong with him. If he ever abuses you two times, then there is something seriously wrong with you. Pop, pop. And the reason why you would allow, you're not healthy, and why? because you have allowed a rejection from the past to cause an infection to set in that has made you that way. And you're like, I, I just want him to love me. Well, the abuse will show you he's incapable of it. So move on. See, the Bible teaches us that this is going to happen to all of us and there's certain things that we need to know, certain things that we need to understand in order to keep that from happening. David, watch this. He had, he had this this avoidance conflict kind of thing going on with Saul that shouldn't have been there. Watch this. David would go out and kill a Goliath and then allow people to be around him that wanted to kill him. How wrong is that? And it's because David never learned these things real quickly. Rejection says more about them than it ever does about you. If somebody rejects you in life, it says more about them than it ever does about you. Let me tell you something. Like I said, I'm not the most healthy, but when it comes to this, this type, this, this, this issue, if somebody rejects me, I'm done. If somebody can live their life without me, we're good. I'm moving on. It's, I don't look at it as my problem, even though it probably and could be. I just look at it as their problem. Okay, here's the second thing. He didn't learn that rejection can be a result of people's vision and not your value. Their perception's wrong. And you can't wait around for their perception to change in order for you to be healed. You can't wait around for them to come back with the right perception and the right vision concerning you and give you an apology so that you can move on. You have to be healed without getting an apology from them. You have to move on without getting closure from that individual coming back years later and saying, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I read you all wrong. I am so sorry. You may never get that. I love this on the side screen. When we are waiting on those who hurt us to be a part of our healing, we are holding our healing hostage for somebody else's personal growth. Man, that ought to go on Facebook. You don't have the time to wait for somebody to come back so you can get it right. you got to get it right and move on now. You don't have the time for it. And here's another thing he didn't, he didn't learn. Rejection can be a result of your success exposing their failure. Sometimes there is nothing wrong with you except that you have become a mirror of what did not happen to them. Wow. So how you doing? How you doing in this area? I don't need just to pray for those of you that raise your hand, because I guarantee you every person in here of any age whatsoever has been rejected by somebody. Somebody said something they shouldn't have said. Just people being people. The enemy using them to hurt you, to slow you down, to stop you. And you can go all, all kinds of excuses for it, but if you're not careful, it won't be the cut that hurt you. It'll be years later, the infection that you never cleared up from it. So I'm going to ask you if you would just stand with me, please. You see, this series is called New God. Our same God knew me. Our same God, the one you've always known, the one you've always had, loves you the way He always has. He created you, you young ladies. You know what I see on young men's faces these days? Anger. Anger. Men that are 17 to 25, all the way up, but they're just angry, mad at everything. Driving around a nice car, living in their parents' house. Parents paying the bills. You kidding me? What, you're wearing $200 tennis shoes, what are you angry about? And I see women. Girls are like, girls just want to have fun, right? You having fun? It, it don't show up on your face. And I get it. You've been hurt. I get it. Broken. I get it. Lied to, your dreams crushed. Well, at 17 to 25, I'd like to tell you, well, you're you're through with all that now. But the rest of us in the room can just tell you, you got a whole whole lot more of that coming. So you got to know how to deal with it. Deal with it. Just deal with it. Move on. Quit playing the victim. Nobody's going to hold your hand. Crawl up in God's lap and say, you know what they did to me? Yeah, I know. Daughter, I know. Well, you take care of them, not your problem. Your problem is just stay close to me. I got you. And let God bring your laughter back, your joy back, your fun back. So let's pray for some healing this morning. Will you bow your head? Father God, right here in this room, I pray that you would bless every person who's present. I pray, Father, that you would just slip into their heart and their life right now and help them to recall what damaged them, what threw them backwards, what's keeping them from making progress. And right now I'm asking for everyone in this room, I'm asking God to bring a name to your life. Bring some names, bring an incident, bring some people, bring the picture of their face to your mind right now. You got it? Now tell God you forgive them. They're just not worth it anymore. Just ask God. Just tell them I need, I need to forgive them. So, Father, I'm forgiving them. It's just not going to matter to me anymore. And heal me. Heal me from the infection I've let them cause. 30 years old, and I don't trust men because some stupid 17-year-old in high school did something. No more. No more. Parents said something they didn't know. Their parents used to treat them that way. I forgive them. No more infection in that area. I want completely healed. No more personality dysfunctional pus seeping out of that damage that's been done to me. And I ask this in Jesus' name healing I pray father in the name of Jesus for everyone in this room do you love them you made them no one else can define who they are in Jesus name Amen okay so right now I want every just humor me everybody in the room I want you to say something right out loud I want you to say it extremely loud I want you to repeat it right after me I want you to do it with passion here's what I want you to say and then we're out of here I want you to say this I am NOT perfect But I'm enough. But I'm enough. <laughs> Yeah, you are.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do so right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. And I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord. That you died on the cross for my sins. And that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text Fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff. As always, we're still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.